lift up your hands right where you are. Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Come on, let me hear you sing it. Oh, Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain, Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim. Shall all pass away, but there's something about that name. Come on, with eyes closed, would you just lift up your hands where you are? Don't make the Lord the compete with all of your distractions and all the things that's got your mind rolling and racing in different directions tonight. Would you just hone in on what the Lord wants to do in your life right now? Don't worry about your neighbor. Just worry about yourself right now. What does God want to do in your life right now? Hands lifted high toward heaven. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, there's just something about, that's good, that name. Go ahead, reach up to him. Oh, Master, Savior, Jesus. Like the fragrance after the rain. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, oh, Jesus, let all heaven. And earth proclaim kings and kingdoms shall all pass away, but there's something about that Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, stand to your feet and give him a hand clap of praise. 
Lift up your voice. Call on his name. Come on, somebody, just cry out the name of Jesus. Somebody just call out the name of Jesus. Somebody call out the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 1 Kings chapter 18, if you have your Bibles, and I will try to preach quickly tonight and not take up a great deal of time to leave plenty of time for the Lord to work and move in the house. Amen. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 21. And Elijah... And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I even, I only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore Give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call ye upon the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord and the God that answereth by fire. Let him be God. And all the people said, it is well spoken. It is well spoken. I want to preach to you for a little bit tonight by the help of the Lord. False gods give no answers. False gods give no answers. You can be seated tonight. The problem was very obvious. For 585 years... The nation of Israel had vacillated in its desire for God. They had divided minds. They had divided emotions. They had divided loyalties. One day they're serving God and the next day they're serving Baal. It's like some folks I've met. They couldn't make up their mind. They were confused. They, they are confused in their mind with what is going on. They, 
They, they were divided in their loyalties. They, they didn't know what they, were, what they were doing. It was sending false signals, and the prophet of God came along, and the prophet of God says, I've had just about all this I'm going to take. And so in 1 Kings, the 18th chapter, Elijah challenged them. He said, if you are going to follow God, then follow him. But if you're going to follow Baal, then follow him. But quit mixing between the two. Now, if I called her name, you would all find it very humorous tonight, but I won't tell. But there was a particular pastor's wife that my wife and I know real well. And she had a lady that would come in her office just about every service before service. And she would come in and she would tell her all of her problems. And before she would end the conversation, she would look at Sister Mooney and she would say, Oh, I'm sorry. I think I'm going to just backslide. I think I'm just going to quit. Sister Mooney put up with it for a while. One night before church, she came in and she said, I think I'm going to backslide. Sister Mooney said, I think that'd be a good idea. <laughs> Elijah had his belly full of it. He said, I've had about all this I'm going to take. You need to choose what you're going to do. Are you going to live for God or are you not? Is Jehovah going to be your God or is Baal going to be your God? But quit vacillating between two opinions. God wanted to stop the synchronizing of beliefs because here's what happens to people who can't make up their mind whether they want to live for God or not. Are you ready? They get a blended view. To the point that they start believing that God's okay with them when they're out. And Baal's okay when they're in. Joshua stood before the nation of Israel and he challenged them. As for me, he said, and my house. As for me and my house, he says, we will serve the Lord. So now on Mount Carmel, Elijah stands and he commands Holy follow God or follow after Baal. But you got to make a choice. Quit being lukewarm. Now I'm preaching Old Testament to you, but can I bring it into the New Testament? I believe I read somewhere he said, I would that you were either cold or hot. Because if you're lukewarm, 
this is why we must be careful with the message we send with our life. We've got to be careful with the message. Do you know everything you do, you're sending a message. Thank you, it's getting better. Do you know that everything you do, you are sending a message? You're sending a message to God. You're sending a message to to your friends. Do you know your action in the house of God is sending a message to the person sitting next to you, around you? Are you ready for me to come straight at you for a few moments tonight? Do you know your attitude and your action and your response to the things of God is not only sending a message to God and to your neighbors, but it's sending a message to your enemy. This is why we got to be careful. The apostolic church needs to be baptized with a fresh understanding of the operation of the anointing. Bear with me a few moments. I'm going somewhere before we're done tonight. But i got to talk to you for a little while. Can I teach and treat you a little bit tonight? I want to help you and I want to help us. We have way too much hesitation in the church today. Way too much hesitation. Hey, let's all move to our right. Hey, let's all lift our hands. Hey, let's all clap. We want a flow of the Holy Ghost. We want powerful anointing. We want God to move in our services. But we want it to happen with everybody else participating because we want to be the exception. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I got some, uh, I'm trying to help some of our young people and some of our new converts tonight. So I need some of you elders that, that, that know what I'm preaching about tonight to come on and support me a little bit while I'm preaching. Because you know what I'm talking about. There is a flow to the anointing. There is a flow to the anointing. All you need is a couple things to go wrong and to just get everybody distracted right in the middle of the flow of the anointing. I've preached long enough and been in the church long enough that I've learned how to get around some of those things that bug me and bother me and catch my attention. I made up my mind a long time ago. Y'all were always so nice to me about my kids. When I came here as pastor, I said, please don't let my children bother you. I want them sitting up here on the front. I want them worshiping. They're going to be standing up, clapping, jumping around. Sometimes they're going to be cutting up. Don't Remember? Remember? Some of you were here with me. You remember what I, I said, don't, don't, I'm going to take care of them when they get home. How many of you know what that means? I'll take care of them when they get home. I'm, I'm going to talk to them. They, I'm going to have to correct them once in a while. But you were so kind to let them become worshipers by practice. 
You, you didn't criticize them so much. Yeah, they, they, they weren't always in the spirit when they were doing all that jumping. But they were worshiping by practice. They were learning how. They were learning how to be sensitive to God. They were learning how to be sensitive to in a worship service. They're learning how. Come on, let's give these young people a break sometimes when they don't always get it right, but encourage them. Come on. I would rather them be on the front row worshiping God, getting it wrong once in a while, than sitting on the back row twiddling their thumbs, backsliding when they're 12 and 14. I would rather them be in the church living for God. There is a flow to the anointing. And when God begins to move in the flow of the anointing, everything has to operate together. You see, you you sometimes think it's all planned out. But see, sometimes I just throw a curveball in there. And Sister Cheryl's looking at me like this is not in the plan. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where you're going. I told Dylan, I said, I just want you on the organ tonight. He said, what you want? I said, just be on the organ tonight. I'm telling Sister Cheryl, she don't know what I want tonight, but just be ready because you're going to be up here. I don't know when, but at some point, the flow's going to happen. At some point, we're just going to find the flow, and we're just going to go with the flow of the anointing. But we have to be careful. When you get in that flow, you have to be careful not to be a distraction. You see, you may not be bothering me, but you might bother the person that needs the breakthrough that is sitting next to you. You you may be affecting somebody else. That's why we've got to stay zoned in and tuned in. It's so very important. I'm going to blow your good story, Spencer, that he shared with me last night. When the NASA program was was in full swing, The President of the United States visited. They had said, we are going to put a man on the moon. And so the President of the United States visited NASA. And when he was walking through, they they, they had all the secret service there and everybody was around. I give credit to Spencer for finding this research. When he preaches it, just shout amen with him. The President of the United States is walking through. He all of a sudden made a swift turn to the left. The Secret Service go crazy. He didn't, there was no, they did not clear that hall. He was not supposed to be going this direction. And you don't correct the president. And so he just starts walking down the hall. And there's a man down the hall and he's got a mop in his hand and he's mopping the floor. And, and, and he doesn't even know anything's going on. And the president comes up. He's back there cleaning. He's doing what he's doing. The president's not coming to his corner. But he's over there just working. And the president walked in and said, Sir... What are you doing? He turns around, stands up straight, looks at the president, and he said, Sir, we are preparing to put a man on the moon. You see, you may just be mopping the floor. You may feel like it's not too much that you're doing. You're just clapping your hands a little bit. You don't have much voice, but you're just singing a little bit. You don't, but somewhere in the process, you've got to buy into this thing and say, we're about to have a Holy Ghost blowout. My hand clap matters. My hallelujah matters. My worship matters. My participation matters. My amen matters.
I, I grew up in a church. I grew up quite differently than the way things are today. I know you youngins give me a hard time about my gray hair. But it just proves I've been around a while. Before long, I'm going to be like Brother Borders. It's going to be all white. Just a couple more years. I grew up in a church where we were taught to reverence the move of the Holy Ghost. You didn't mess around when God started moving. I might have played with my Tonka truck under the second pew sitting next to my mama, but as soon as the Holy Ghost moved, my mama reached over, grabbed those toys, yanked me up off the floor, set me down, said, come on now, get involved in what God's doing. What are you talking about, mama? You you just watch me, boy. Because I do have a club. And it's on my foot. Because my mama was swift to take her shoe off and use it if she needed to. When the preacher was preaching, there was no nonsense going on. When the Holy Ghost started moving, you didn't get up and walk around. If I told you the number of times, man, I need a drink of water. Tough. Sit there. I need to go to the restroom. You will when church is over. Sit tight. Don't you walk around. Don't you move. I'm not criticizing you now. I'm talking about how I was raised up. We can have whatever kind of church y'all want to have. But when the Holy Ghost was moving, you didn't jump up and run across the church and find somebody to tell the local joke to. And when the anointing was moving, you didn't drag around. When the preacher said, clap your hands. Yes, sir. Preacher said, lift your hands. He's not talking to 80%. He's talking to everybody. Lift your hands. Well, I'm not living right. I don't feel good. Lift your hands. God may be going to do a healing right here. I got to do exactly what he said do. Lift my hands. If you want an outpouring like they had on the day of Pentecost, we're going to have to be in one mind and one accord. And it doesn't matter if it's me in this pulpit, Brother Danny in this pulpit, Brother Heron in this pulpit, or some other guest in this pulpit. If they say lift your hands, don't question it. Just lift your hands. If they say clap your hands, just start clapping. If they say tell your neighbor, just tell your neighbor. Do whatever they say because they're trying to lead you into the anointing of God so that we can have God move like he wants to move in the house. I know I'm teaching a little bit tonight. Give me a little time. I know I'm teaching a little bit tonight, but the Bible said that the Spirit is subject to the prophet. Did you understand that? The Spirit is subject to the prophet. So if I want to get my healing, I got to engage in what God is doing. If I want to get my breakthrough, I can't sit there and say, well, whenever God knocks me off my pew. No, sir, it's never going to happen. You're going to die backslidden. Well, I want to get my joy back. Well, you know what? Stand up, put a smile on your face, start clapping when they're singing. Well, isn't that faking? Absolutely. Just keep doing it. Just keep on saying, I love you, Jesus. I ain't feeling nothing, but I love you, Jesus. Move on me, God. 
Go ahead. Let's have church. You start before long, you're going to say, well, I'm feeling a little bit better. I think I'm, let's just go ahead. I'll just be right frank with you tonight. I didn't really feel like even being at church tonight. I didn't feel like coming. I was on the front pew tonight. I stepped over and said, Spencer, lay hands on me and pray for me. I'm not feeling well. I didn't feel like coming to the pulpit tonight. I was weary in my body, in my flesh. I hadn't felt good all day. I finished preaching this morning, and the devil jumped all over me. Bless his name. Just seeing if you're awake. I wasn't feeling good. I, I, I didn't. But you know what? I got up here and started preaching, and all of a sudden, I felt my help come. See, about half of you won't feel like getting up, going to work in the morning. But something's going to say, "Get up and go anyway." You got to be faithful to your employer. You got to get up and go anyway. Then why in the thunder do we come to the house of God and the preacher say, come on, let's worship God. I don't feel like it. Then you're not ever going to get a breakthrough. Start acting like you feel like it. Start worshiping like he's already healed you. Start praising him like your family's already saved. My pastor, when I was a teenager, my pastor used to have a little phrase. He would say, church would be going on, service would be going, and God would be, begin to move. And just as God would begin to move, he'd step up to the microphone and he'd say, come on, church, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Being interpreted. Stop moving around. Stop goofing off. Straighten up and pay attention. The anointing of God's in the house. There may be somebody here that needs the Holy Ghost. There may be somebody that needs a healing. There may be somebody that needs a breakthrough. Come on, church, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. And if you decided you were going to talk anyway, Lord, have mercy. I thought I'd have some amens coming from those that know what I'm preaching about tonight. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't tell you the number of times I'd sitting on a row and the kid three, three doors down from me would start talking and my dad would look over at me and say, boy, stop talking. After church, he'd come up to me and he'd say, that was a visitor kid sitting over next to you. I'm sorry, son, but I had, to, I had to get some attention. He was distracting everybody in the service and God needed to move. Now let's go to McDonald's. I'll buy you a shake. If I've been used as an example for one time, I've been used a thousand times and it hadn't hurt me yet. But I learned a, refer a reverence for the things of God. And when the anointing starts moving and somebody says, hey, let's pay attention to what God's doing. I better straighten up, pay attention. God's wanting to work. The Holy Ghost is going to move. The gifts may be in operation. Somebody may be saved. I don't want to be the hindrance. And if we want God's best, then we've got to give our best. Yeah. 
I, I said some time ago, and I'm just going to, this is a refresher course on what I, I preached a few weeks ago. But we are one of two things in every service. We are either supporting what God is wanting to do or we are distracting. There's no middle ground. I'm not saying a word. No, but your face and your attitude says everything. Well, if you worried about it, you'd come back and lay hands on me. I'm not going to get hit in the face. That's what your face looks like. Look like if I come say anything to you, you're going to slap me anyway. You wouldn't receive it if I said it. So I'll just let you sit there and look like you look. I'll pray for you that God gets a hold of your face. God forgive me. Why don't we just take a moment, lift up our hands, and give God our best for just a few moments in the house? Come on, respond with your best. That's it. That's it. Let's just take a moment. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 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 Oh, somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. I got to hurry or I'm going to be here all night tonight. Shout false gods don't answer. America has been plagued with false gods. Sex, materialism, recreation, music, education. False gods will give you no answers. But America has been eaten up with it. It isn't just for this generation. This isn't something that started in this generation. In the 1920s, it was education. In the 1930s, it was economics. In the 1940s, it was world politics. In the 1950s, it was science. In the 1960s, it was sociology and sex. In the 1970s, it was unrestraint and rebellion. In the 1980s, it was greed and money. In the 1990s, it was possessions and materialism. In 2000, it was entertainment and pleasure. And today, it's social connections and acceptance. It's just another generation and another devil that is coming against you. It is another God trying to establish himself king and ruler in your life. We live in such a whacked out world, in such a strange world, that the more extreme you are, the more likely you are to attract society. That's why it doesn't really bother me if people say, oh, you're one of those holy rollers. Yep. Interested? My mercy. In Indianapolis a few months ago, it was all over his headlines of the news. You all read about it? In Indianapolis a few months ago, they opened up a church called the Church of Cannabis. There are crazy ideas, and it's attracting crazy people. Do you see the shape of politics? Anybody got their finger on the political climate right now? Don't worry, I'm not going to preach on politics. 
Learned my lesson on that a few years ago. Y'all can vote for who you want to. Or you can be right. Somebody asked me the other day, what do you think? What do you think is going on? I think America is angry. I think we're tired of it. I think we're fed up with putting people in that take oath of offices that don't uphold their oath. That's why the political climate is in such a mess. Our land needs to be healed. And we must learn that false gods give no answers. We can look to government, but there's no answer. We can look to politics, but there's no answer. We can look to economics, but there's no answer. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach for any people. There's only one God that answers. And his name is Jesus. Somebody ought to put your hands together and give him a shout of praise. We've got the truth. And we know the God that answers. Elijah stands fearlessly mocking the prophets of Baal. Earlier, Elijah prayed that it might not rain, and for three and a half years, it didn't rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave gave rain. James chapter 5 said, and the earth bore fruit. Now, there, there are three things I want you to take out of this message with you tonight. Because there are three answers that every person in this room is going to receive from God at one time or another. When you ask God for something, sometimes God's silent. But when God answers, and He'll always answer, Well, Pastor, God hadn't answered. He may have already answered. You might have missed it. My wife reminded me this week, the scripture says that he would give you the desire of your heart. There's a point when you keep asking God for something that he keeps telling you no. And you wonder why it's not working out for you, but you're determined you're going to find a way and wiggle away and manipulate a way for God to work it out anyway so you can give God credit for your failed life. He'll end up just giving you the desire of your heart because your heart is wicked and turned from him. There is a point we've got to recognize God's no. Because his no, God's no always comes with, I love you enough to tell you no. I love you enough to tell you no. The Lord of the universe isn't under obligation to say yes to everything you ask him for. He's looking out for your good. Sometimes he will say no because it's what's best for you. We think just because we say a yes, God, you got to give me a yes. God, you got to answer a yes. God, I really want this. This is what I really want. And God's just silent. God, you're not answering. Yes, he is. 
Because you're asking something that you ought to not be asking for. You are asking God for something that you ought to be silent about. You need to go ahead and accept the answer that God is. You know in your spirit when God says no. You know in your spirit already when God says you ought to not be doing that. Young people, you know in your spirit already when you ought to not be dating that person. You know in your spirit already. You ought to, If you have to come and ask, well, is it going to be okay? It probably already is answered in your heart. And by the way, oh, I'm just on it tonight. When you go ask your youth pastor, Brother Brandon, what do you think about this? Well, I, what do you think about it? Well, I'm not sure. Well, that might be your answer. Maybe, maybe God's trying to tell you a no. I'm going to go ask Mama Jane. I promise you, you're going to get the same answer. And when you pout at her and end up in my office trying to get a yes, it's probably going to be the same answer again. So you should have listened to your mama when she told you to begin with the answer was no. Come on, parents. I need a little help back there. I'm preaching in your favor tonight. I'm I'm trying to help you a little bit. No, I love you too much. The answer's no. Why does God say no, Pastor? He knows what's best for me. Although I cannot see. But all of the good things will outweigh the bad things I won't complain come on lift up your hands and thank the Lord for when he tells you no are you able to accept God's no but God doesn't always say no because he loves to give good gifts to his children. He loves to give good gifts to his children. Sometimes he's going to say no, but sometimes he's going to say yes. But you got to wait. And instead of pouting about it, why don't you find a song to sing? I'll say yes, yes, yes. Thank you, God. You said yes. I will say yes, yes, yes. I will say yes, Lord. I will say yes. Lord, I will say yes, yes, yes. Sometimes we want an immediate answer. But God doesn't always work that way. Somebody say he's an on-time God. Sometimes we have to wait until 
the stroke of midnight before he answers. Sometimes we got to wait a while before he answers. Sometimes his yes is going to be, I'm going to get to you somewhere down the road. Well, I don't understand why God hasn't already answered because in your time frame, tomorrow really means a lot. Next year means a lot. But the Bible says with God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. So he's not really worried about your time clock. He's really worried about whether or not he's going to get you saved and keep you saved. And your your prayer may be answered, but it may not be answered in your time. I remember my mama praying for my brother who was lost and was, was undone and without God. And she said, if I don't live to see it, God, I remember hearing her pray on her deathbed. She grabbed me by the hand. She said, if it's the last thing that I go out of this world hearing, God, I want to hear that my boy's saved. But if you choose not to let me hear it, God, I believe that when I'm gone, you're still going to do it. You're still going to save him. It wasn't too many months after she was gone that God answered her prayer. She didn't live to see it. But God's yes wasn't even in her lifetime. But he still answered. Proverbs chapter 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding." Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. I know I got, I'm I'm glad to know tonight that God has some plans for me. And then, and then there are times, I'm trying to take this home, and then there are times when God says yes. And it blows our mind. What just happened? What just happened? Did God just answer? He did. Then why don't you just start giving him praise? But Because you didn't praise him when he said no, but he still answered. And he still did it for your benefit. But it didn't make you happy, which tells me your praise is predicated on whether you like what he's doing. God's no doesn't make you happy, so you're going to pout about it instead of knowing he's working everything out for my good. God's weight didn't fit my timeline, so I'm not going to praise him until it gets here. How about you learn how to praise God when he says, I'm going to answer, but you're going to have to wait. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know what you're doing. I'm trusting you because you're going to answer. And so remain standing. So then when he says, Yes. He's waiting to see if you're going to recognize what he was doing all along. Let me help you. We've all been celebrating. In the last month, if you're a guest here, oh, you better sit down. I'm not preaching a while. Got your hopes up, didn't I? In the last, in the last little bit, 
the last month or so. We've seen cancer healed. We've seen heart conditions healed. We saw a dead lady lay right here. And we prayed for her and God raised her up. And there's some folks still doubting. What'd you want him to do? Because she didn't jump up off the floor right there and run around the church. Does that mean God didn't do it? <laughs> All I know is I know what I saw right here. And I know so what I saw when I walked into that hospital room. I was down in Indianapolis this weekend. Our district superintendent, Brother Strout, came up to me. He said, tell me a minute. He said, I don't have but a second, but give me a short version of what happened. I started telling him. I whipped out my phone. I said, here's our picture together. He said, that, was that before it happened? I said, that was after it happened. He said, bring the picture and come preach for me. Aren't you glad for the revival we were in? Aren't you glad it's all behind us? All right, then good. I'm going to preach a while. Let me tell you what God did this week. Are you ready? Going to be able to handle this? On Friday, Brother Perry Wood was taken to the hospital. He's here somewhere, I think. Did I see him earlier? He was here. It was this morning I saw him. I get days and nights mixed up on Sunday. Sunday he was, um, Friday, he was taken to the hospital. He, he, he got up Friday morning at 5 o'clock, drank some coffee, said his chest felt like it was just, his heart was just bouncing out of his chest. He said he felt funny. He thought, well, maybe it's just I got a hold of some good coffee. <laughs> he went to work. He worked four hours. He was feeling terrible. He said he was feeling strange. He said, I finally said, this is all I can handle. I got to go. He got to the hospital at 11 o'clock. They took him in, rushed him into ER. Started running some tests. Said, my goodness, you're right on the verge of a heart attack. Rushed him into this critical care unit. I got, didn't get the phone call till about 8.30 that night. I found out that he's in the hospital in critical care. I told my wife, I'll get, let, me, let me get cleaned up, get dressed, head down there. Jumped to the car, took off down there. I was, on the I was on the phone traveling down to the hospital. And I was, I was talking to Brother Brosom. And we were on the phone sharing Back and forth, I pull up. I sit in the car for a few minutes because when he and I get on the phone, it lasts a while. He blames it on me and I blame it on him. And, and so we're, we're on the phone and we're talking. I'm sitting out there and I watch this. 10 o'clock, man, I got to get inside. 10, 10, 10, 15. I finally said, bro, listen, I got to go. So I hung up the phone, laid the phone down, jumped out, took off in, got directions on where I was going, Got up, got up, went into the CCU unit. I looked in. I saw them in there. I saw the nurses in there, and they were, they were doing something. They, were, they appeared to be busy. I thought, well, he's in critical care. That's normal. Uh, they didn't tell me not to come in, so I'm going gonna, gonna to go in anyway. So I politely walked in. I said, am I okay? The nurses kind of looked at me. He said, yeah, sure, come on in. The nurse said, shh, 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 you got to be quiet. He looked at me, gave me one of those big-eyed looks. I looked, recognized the EKG machine. They're running the EKG on him. Come through. She's watching the paper. Comes through. She looks back at him, looks back down. She finally said, okay, you can talk now. I said, man, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing pretty good now. I said, well, what's going on? He said, I can't really explain it. Looked at the nurse. He said, can you explain it to him what's going on? So the nurse said, well, 
about 20 minutes ago, his blood pressure was skyrocketing, and he's, his heart was in AFib, and we were looking at possibly having to shock his heart to put it all back into rhythm. He said about 10 o'clock straight up. Now, now listen, we, we, got a little, we got a little text message thing going on around here, and I text some guys about 8, 30, 9 o'clock. I said, some of you guys want to help us pray? The guys said, yeah, we'll pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Now listen, God, God's wanting to prove something here. Because I had not yet even been in. I had prayed for him, but I had not yet even been into the hospital. I'm sitting in the parking lot, tied up on the phone. And the Lord said, I'm going to let this happen just before you get in because I don't want you to get all proud about yourself. But the devil knows that he's done, he's, he's done with anyway. And the Lord said at 10 o'clock, bam. The nurse said, well, it happens once in a while, but all of a sudden about 10 o'clock, it just in an instant... The heart just immediately went back to normal rhythm and the blood pressure came down. We just ran the EKG. That was Friday. Saturday. Be seated just for a second. I want to preach a while. Next time you stand, I'll leave you standing. I won't tell you to sit down anymore. The next, the next time, come up here and give them hope. Act like, act, act like you believe I'm quitting. <laughs> I saw that look on your face. Saturday. Is Robin here tonight? There she is. Is it okay if I tell a little bit of your story? <laughs> God raised her from the dead, right? We all are witness of that. But you know what happens? There's some pretty mean medical bills that's associated with all this. As a matter of fact, I wish I had my phone. I wish I could just have them put it on the screen. I don't, I, I'm not going to take the time to make you sit here that long. She sent me a text message with the bill. 126000 some odd dollars. Helicopter ride, you know. And then under it, it said, minus this amount, minus this amount, minus this amount, total due, $1,000. I think I read somewhere I once was young and now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. We all know they couldn't afford $126,000 worth of bills. But the Lord said, hey, I know somebody that knows somebody. Let's go ahead and take care of that too. I didn't put you through this just to build people's faith. But I'm going to be with you through the medical process. I'll be with you through the bills. I'll be with you. God hadn't forgotten where you are. You can seek after the world, but false gods can't, can't answer your prayer. But we serve a God that's got an answer for every problem you have, for every sickness you have, for every need you have. We serve a God that's got an answer. Close your eyes, lift your hands real high toward heaven.
I surrender all. I surrender Surrender it to him right now. I surrender all. I surrender all to thee. may not be for everybody in the house tonight, but if you've got a need in your body, in your family, in your home, in your finances, whatever it may be, I want you to come line up right down this aisle right here. We're going to make a single, single line. Just stop stop right about there where you are, and I'll call you forward here in just a minute. Just make, make a line. If you've got a need in your body, in your life, our ministers are going to come gather with me up here across the front. Don't wait on God. He's waiting on you. Don't wait on God. He's waiting on you. If you don't have a need tonight, just right where you are, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, hands are raised toward heaven. I surrender all. I surrender I surrender. 